There you have it. We just finished the last episode of Healthy Voices Radio. What a great guest, Teresa Wright Johnson, to join us to speak about her story of congenital heart disease and MS. What an amazing individual, Brady. I have been inspired by Teresa since the very first day I met her at Healthy Voices. And I just urge everyone to go and, and listen to this episode and listen to where she talks about where privilege and purpose coalesce to form a heart that matters. You are listening to Healthy Voices Radio, where you will hear podcasts featuring stories from our Healthy Voices family, hosted by amazing advocates, interviewing amazing advocates. Now, here's your Healthy Voices Radio host, talking all things health-related, Robert Brining and Brady Dale Morris. And hello, everyone. I am Brady Del Morris, and along with my co-host, Robert Brining, we'd like to welcome you back to Healthy Voices Radio. Healthy Voices Radio is produced and sponsored by Janssen, the founder of Healthy Voices, a groundbreaking leadership conference created exclusively to empower online health advocates. For more information on Healthy Voices, please visit HealthyVoices.com. Also, be sure to follow at Healthy Voices, that's H-E-A-T-H. H-E-A-L-T-H-E-V-O-I-C-E-S on Twitter and Instagram for updates on this podcast, as well as Twitter chats, webinars, the 2020 conference, and much, much more. And while we're at it, don't forget to subscribe to Healthy Voices Radio on your favorite podcatcher so you're the first to know when a new episode is released. I have a few disclaimers um, before we bring on my co-host. If you need medical advice or have questions about your treatment or condition, we urge you to speak with your doctor as we cannot provide any medical advice. For regulatory guidelines, we are not permitted to discuss any medications or products during the episode. All information shared or later posted about this podcast will be done so in a public capacity. For that reason, we will not be sharing any personal or confidential information we don't want others to know. And for the same reason, we will not share any personal information about another person during today's episode. And last but not least, Jansen has paid Robert and myself to host and produce this podcast. All thoughts expressed here are our own. And with that said, it is, let's welcome my amazing co-host, Robert Brining. Hey, Robert. Hey, Brady. How are you? I am doing well. How about yourself, Mr. I am doing amazing. It is so good to be back on the airwaves with our last episode of season two. It's it's exciting. It's uh, uh, it's, it's thrilling, and to, to end the show with such an amazing uh, end the season with such an amazing guest, Teresa Wright Johnson. Uh, just an amazing individual. I remember meeting her at my first Healthy Voices um, and our prep call. She was talking about how Guy introduced us, um, in uh, I believe when we were first checking in of some sort. We'll get the full right. story from her, but I remember you know sitting at in Healthy Voices with her at the round table and kind of having conversations about the project we were working on and connecting with her. And she was always this beautiful, radiant soul, you know, inside and out. So a little bit about Teresa. Teresa Wright Johnson is a congenital heart disease survivor and was diagnosed with MS in November of 2014. Teresa knows there is a calling on her life, and she fully embraces that. She uses her illness as opportunities to further rely on her faith walk in her truth, and raise awareness and educate others. Please help me welcome Teresa Wright Johnson to the show. Hello, Teresa. Hi, everyone. How are you? Uh, we, we are well. We feel so excited so to have lucky. you on. I feel honored to do this interview with both of you. And, yes, 
Robert, you were correct. We did meet at our first Healthy Voices, and trust me, my experience was the same as you remember. The two of you were always very energetic and delightful, and I'm so happy our paths crossed. It's funny you said Uh, that I was energetic because uh, I just want to say because it was my first Healthy Voices, and I remember I was so nervous meeting everybody and being in in that new space with people and, you know, seeing a smiling face like yours just definitely made it more comforting. So thank you. Thank you. I, I think for our first Healthy Voices, I, I think we all felt that way because I, too, I was nervous. Uh, I was excited. I, I just could remember a myriad of emotions that I felt, but it definitely was a life-changing experience. And every year I've attended since then, it has just been um, more transformational, and it, it's just been incredible. So I, I do agree well, with you. It was so um, – It was we were nervous and we were excited, but the great thing is we were already connected, and we didn't even really know that. Absolutely, Teresa. Well, to go off of what Robert said, I had the um, distinct pleasure at my very first Healthy Voices Conference on that first night to be placed um, by Jansen at – your table so we were there together on the very first night and I got to hear your story can you for our listeners tell us your story how you got into advocacy yes so I was born with a congenital heart defect I had an abnormal heart valve uh, my aortic valve so I actually came on this earth I'm ill with the condition So my story is I grew up being ill. I grew up with the condition, and um, I aged into my disease, and I aged into myself. And this road of advocacy, now that I look back, um, we're in 2020, and, you know, they always say hindsight is 2020. So I've just taken this time to really – put together um, all my pieces of my life and how I came into this advocacy platform. And what I realized is that even back from a little girl as I was growing up and I was watching my parents advocate on my behalf, I was really learning all of the tools I needed to navigate my way into my illness and into adulthood And I was learning the tools needed to not only speak up and tell my story, but speak up for those that couldn't. And um, I guess what really propelled me into this advocacy platform as an adult is um, when I retired uh, from my job, because I, I worked in social services and criminal justice, I was a parole officer. And I realized that even that road prepared me for advocacy because, you know, in that role you're charged with um, protecting the public, but you're also charged with reintegrating individuals back into the community and into society. Right. And I, I can well, speak for myself. Um, as for myself, uh, illness I was just can sometimes – Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, just, I don't mean to cut you off. Um, I was just going to say okay. something that you just said that re- that made the hair on my arm stand up and made my heart smile was uh, was that you said since you were born with this, you you dealt with this in from your childhood, but you said mm-hmm. your parents were there first to advocate for you before you could advocate before yourself. 
Um, and that's something that we, we like to talk about is, is our support systems and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So it sounds like you had a very strong family support system from the, from the very beginning. I did, Brady, and it's, it is what makes me who I am today in this present moment. Um, I can stand in my space and I can shine so brightly because of the family support I had. Again, my parents were incredible. My family were very supportive. I had a church family. I had a community of people. And that is the one thing I learned from a very young age, even when we feel alone, because sometimes illness can make you feel alone. Even when you feel alone and isolated, there are so many people in your circle that are pushing you on and that are encouraging you, and you may not even know at that moment. But as you go through life and as you you reflect on each stage of your life, you will realize that at every stage you had someone there cheering you on, speaking life into you, pushing you through your journey. And that means so much. Well, Teresa, I'm curious, and what what was the, when was kind of like, did you notice like your parents passed the baton or when did you take that baton from your parents? And, and like you said, you continued on advocacy into your adulthood. Right. So, and, and remember, this is all subconsciously too. Um, Again, at every doctor's appointment, I I would listen to the questions that were asked, and I would um, listen to the doctor speak to them. And I guess as I grew up and became a teenager, you know, um, you grow into illness, you start really looking at your mortality, and you start paying attention to the things that are being said. And and I guess it was during my teenage years that I really – started listening and and, and started realizing that there's going to come a point where I have to take this over. And I'm just going to share with you something that I remember, and it was a conversation with my mother. And I, I said, Mommy, I'm tired of going to the doctor. I'm just tired. I want to be, and this is in quotes, I want to be a normal kid. I want to be a normal teenager. And I remember my mother, you know, looking at me with, you know, her eyes. Um, she she is full of encouragement and, and full of wisdom. And I remember her saying to me, you know, as long as your father and I are charged and taking care of you, you know, we're going to do all that we have to do to keep you healthy. But there's wow. going to come a time when you make these decisions on your own And you have to ask yourself and you have to reconcile how important your life is to you. You're here for a reason, and you have to remember that because you're going to grow up and you are going to be charged in taking care of your health. And I will never forget that conversation. That was very pivotal. Yeah, I can see how so touching yeah, and it has to be such an amazing um, feeling to have that kind of support, you know, especially your parents. Um, it's kind of one thing that we, we speak about as, as an HIV survivor, having that support system around you or any kind of really um, 
uh, condition, having a support system is so important. You know, well, one of the things that I found fascinating was you had your first open heart surgery at the age of 12. What was that like to be 12 right. years old and to have that kind of surgery? And then how was it, how was it like in school? Did you go back to school or like, tell us a little bit about what that was like. I, I did. And, and I, I might have said 12, but I want to correct that. I think I was 13. I, I was 13 and I was in the eighth grade. I will never forget. And I was due to graduate, you know, that year from the eighth grade. And when I found out I needed that surgery, it's like my entire world came crashing down because, you know, at at 13, you are, you're, you know, you're in your adolescent years. You have the voices right. of your peers. You're already, you're already isolated. Um, because you have this condition, and then to know that you have to not only face your mortality, but that your life is going to be even different than it already was from that point forward. It was heavy, but again, I had such a strong support system, and uh, here's another story that I could share. Um, I was on my way rolling down to the operating room, and my parents were able to go with me. My parents, um, my pastor, my my godfather, my godfather's brother, they were with me. And um, as we rolled down and we got to the point where they could no longer follow us, my father said I took his hand and I said to him, don't worry, Daddy, I'm going to be okay. And as I reflect on that, even in that moment, I realized that there was something in me that believed I was going to be okay. I couldn't put a voice to it. I did not have the maturity to speak to it at that moment. But there was something that was always inside of me that knew that you were charged with these things. You had this you had this illness, but you were going to defy the odds. You are going to be okay. So I think it was already sold into my spirit that I was here for a reason and that, you know, my creator, who who I call God because I'm very spiritual, that my right. creator really had a purpose for me. And even at thirteen I realized that I had a purpose. I never knew what trajectory, what what the trajectory of my life would look like, but I just knew that I was something more than all of this. Right. Well, Teresa, speaking of that trajectory, um, let's look at your, you know, in your adulthood, your aspect work, it is just mind-boggling. I want to let our listeners know real quick that they can find you on Twitter at Reese's All Heart, that's R-E-E-S-I-E-S, All Heart, on Twitter. And they can find you on Instagram at Privileged Heart. And then probably one of the most amazing websites I've ever seen, you can go to um, com and uh, check out her website. Uh, let's talk about what's your, like, one of your shining moments of your adult advocacy work. Oh, 
I have I have many. Um, so when we when we talk about shining moments, I have to talk about the small steps, um, as well as those public acknowledgments. It's always great to be publicly acknowledged, but um, I, I also you know, I hearten the little small steps in advocacy too. So I, I will say um, my shining moments are my participation in several advisory boards. And um, my shining moment is when I received the Hero of Hope Award um, by IPAIN. Um, by my, our friend our friend Barbie Engel with IPAIN. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, right, my shining award is when um, my beloved sorority, uh, my president, chose me for the President Picks Award for all of my community service and, and you know, persevering through chronic illness and, and, and you know, and so many other things that I've endured. Uh, and I, I have a cousin who is an elected official. Um, I was honored by him and his colleagues for my compassionate community service. And um, another shining moment, I think, in my advocacy was I was acknowledged and I was presented with a courage award from um, a police organization who I hold near and dear. And it was for showing courage in the midst of adversity. So um, my advocacy work is so important. And what I realize is, you know, just by showing up and sharing my story and being public about who I am, um, it speaks life into so many others. And I don't take that lightly. You're you're definitely a beacon. You're you're definitely a beacon. <laughs> that's that's so, my so one, desire. I, I just want to do that. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, can you tell us how you fight the misconceptions surrounding living with heart disease? Yes. So misconceptions. I, not only do I fight it, I teach about it. Um, whenever you think about heart disease and heart health and heart attacks and strokes, you know, we we tend to put labels and faces. You know, we tend to think of people fitting a certain prototype. Of course, I've never fit that prototype because I was born with mine. But what I teach is that there is no look to heart disease. There is no look to multiple sclerosis. There is no look to many other diseases. What we have to do is be aligned with our bodies. We have to know our bodies. We have to be encouraged to speak up, and we have to know the warning signs, and I'm specifically talking about heart disease now because we're entering February, which is American Heart Month. We have to know the warning signs of heart and stroke emergencies. Um, what what pains me and what I have taken such an active role in doing is um, advocating for women's heart health. And this is not to be exclusive or not, you know, to, to be exclusionary, but for so long we as women 
we ignore the things that are going on with us because many of us are charged with taking care of everyone else. And what happens is that when we fall ill, many times our families and our communities, they suffer from that. So I tell everyone, when you invest in your health, when you listen to your body, when you, um, you know, adopt a healthier lifestyle, you're teaching your family and you're teaching your community how to eat right, how to take care of themselves, how to follow their medical regimen. And, again, I am not a medical professional, but I am someone who has lived with heart disease my entire life, and I do understand the importance of, you know, having a medical team and adhering to whatever medical regimen your team designs for you. No, that makes total sense, Teresa. One of the things that, you know, as advocates we deal with is uh, what we call the burnout uh, kind of keeping yourself so busy all the time. So what do you do to keep yourself from burning out, and, and what are maybe some, some self-care practices that you use so you don't burn out? Right. This this is probably my greatest struggle. Um, I am All of us, honey, all of us. <laughs> right. Right, right. In order to do this work, in order to do this work, right, we, we're empaths. Like, we feel mm-hmm. everything. We feel everything right. we want to we want to change the world. I mean, we literally want to change the world and it can get heavy. And it gets heavy when you carry your illnesses plus everyday life, you know, and and so many others look at you and you know they expect you to always be happy and you know inspirational. I, I have my moments. And what I am learning to do is I'm learning to be good to myself. Um, I'm learning to take those moments and give myself what I give to others. And trust me, it's so hard. It's, It's hard and I still struggle, but I am beginning to, um, practice mindful thinking. I pray a lot. I, I really believe in the power of prayer and that's just me personally, but I pray a lot, and I believe in what I pray for. So I, I just take some time sometimes, and I, I have my solitude, and, and I pray. And um, I indulge myself with the things that I like, and sometimes it's, you know, different movies. Sometimes it's reading a good book. I love to read. And um, for me, my pen has been my saving grace. I and talk about my life and I tell my story I, through the power of the I, pen. Absolutely. I just want to attest to that um, and to our listeners. If you go to Teresa's website, um, to TeresaWrightJohnson.com, you can um, find a lot of articles uh, that she has written, and they are so moving and so touching. Um I just want to highly recommend uh, you do that. Uh, Teresa, what are some current projects that you're working on? So some of my current projects, um, I am I am very passionate about diversity and inclusion, um, and this is all around the board for social justice, um, 
you know, changes in health care. And uh, I am, I just, I am a founding member of a subcommittee for diversity and inclusion for an organization that's near and dear to my heart. It's um, I Conquer MS. And we are just trying to get um, people of color and, and, and minorities involved in research and um, research so and clinical trials. Yes. That is there so is there's a large gap. Um, and we, you know, we have to, we have to interact and we have to act when we see a gap. And it's just right. my, it's my desire to show up in that way and to get all people involved because until everyone is represented, we will never be able to get where we need to be in healthcare and social justice. So that's one of um, my projects. Um, I have a Speaking couple of, of my own person. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just saying, I was going to say, speaking of which, you know, we talk a lot about finding our community and, and, and our tribes. You kind of were the beacon. You built your community um, and, and put yourself out there and kind of, you know, attracted others. What was that, right. what was that process like for you? It has been incredible, and I will say this. I have been a talker probably from the moment <laughs> I learned my first word. <laughs> so That's a common I have like, always uh, denominator amongst <laughs> advocates, <laughs> I think. <laughs> right? It's the truth, but it's so funny. So, I mean, that has been my gift, and um depending on if you felt like hearing me or not, that has also um, maybe been something else. But I, I, we are charged with making our own communities in this sense. I know that I have the ability to talk. I know that's my gift. Um, I know that by using my mouth, um, I can reach others just by speaking about my story and, and, and talking about my health and, and you know, just sharing stories and messages of hope and perseverance. And I will say this, um, I would be remiss if I did not mention my husband, who also really pushed me out. I was getting out. there. <laughs> he really that pushed me out question. into this platform. <laughs> so you, so go ahead. I'm going to let you ask my question. question. No, my question is going to be: Is I know that your husband played a, a really major part in helping you get out and become an advocate and share your story. I just wanted to kind right. of have you elaborate a little bit on on that because I remember reading it in an article that you that you uh, you mentioned Absolutely. before. Absolutely. So when when I retired from work, you know, I was. I was sad. I was displaced. Um, I had a lot of different emotions. Um, and, and, and on top of that, I was injured, and I, and I had a lot of pain, and it was just a lot. So, you know, my husband said to me, why don't you go and volunteer? You know, and I remember I looked at him, and, you know, he said, go and volunteer, you know, contact 
you contact our local American Heart Association. Do you realize the story you have? And I looked at him right. and, and, and I thought about it, and that's exactly what I did. I, I reached out to my local American Heart Association, and I will never forget, um, we had our, um, I, I volunteered for the walk, and then I volunteered for our Go Red for Women Committee. Um, and we had one of our luncheons where I was asked to share my story. And I did that. And it was in that moment that I realized the power of my voice and the power of my story, the fact that I am still here. Because what you have to realize is that when I was born with my defect, no one knew what the trajectory of life would look like for a child that was aging. Right. We didn't know. So for each accomplishment, um, for each for each box I was able to check off, I was able to sit in my accomplishments at that very moment. And then I realized that this, is not about me. It's about what I can do to effect change right. in right. every and I think that's community. I think that's something, I'm sorry, Teresa, I was going to say that's something mm-hmm. that like all of us advocates, I think we can kind of relate to is that when we find the power of, of the truth of, of living in our truth that's and of telling right. our stories and seeing how it's, how the effect it can have on others, um, it really does empower us, um, which brings me to, you know, healthy voices, because that's what healthy voices yes. is. It brings together, you know, these uh, select-minded individuals and, and health advocates. Well, how did you first learn at Healthy Voices? What what brought you to the your first Healthy Voices conference? My first Healthy Voices conference, um, my mentor, who I'm sure you all know, because she she is the one who told me about it, Laura Kolaskowski. She told me about this great conference, and I really need to apply. And, you know, she said this will be great for you. You have so much to share, you know, and you are a beacon of light. That is what my mentor said to me. And I applied, and I was accepted. And from that moment on, um, I've been a part of this tribe. Right, and now you are this year serving as a um, advisor, correct? I correct, and I am so excited. First of all, you know, when I received the email, I was so excited. Um, <laughs> I feel honored, and I feel privileged to have this opportunity. And this is something else that I don't take lightly. Right. So what are some of the takeaways you've um, you've had from the, the previous Healthy Voices that you've gone to? What are some of your favorite moments? Some of my favorite moments. There are so many of them. <laughs> my right. first, there, there are, my, my first experience um, with Healthy Voices, and I wrote about it, and I, I'll never forget my, blog post was called 
inspired and on fire. And, you know, we spoke about it initially when we first met. You know, you walk into this conference and you don't know what it's going to be. You don't know who's there. Um, You just cannot anticipate what you are going to get. And my takeaway from that was that everyone has a story and every story matters. And, you know, again, uh, you know, my tagline is a heart that matters. I always, I always say that you matter. And this conference, to me, epitomized that it brought together so many of us from different chronic illness communities. And you realize that regardless of what community you represent, we all meet at this same intersection. And we all desire to use our life to be agents for change. Absolutely. So that was one of my take that was one of my takeaways. And you know, my my other takeaway is what you can accomplish. You know, we can each accomplish so much individually, but when you meet people who are on the same path and you connect with people, those connections can sometimes be your lifeline. Absolutely. Well, speaking of lifelines, Teresa, you are a lifeline to so many. What advice would you give to someone who's newly diagnosed with, with 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 a heart disease? Um, my take, my points would be to take the time you need, take the time you need to, to embrace your diagnosis. Absolutely. Don't let anyone rush you with that because it is a life changing event. So my first advice is to take the time you need to process whatever it is you need to. Um, I guess my next point of reference would be to reach out. Um, By reaching out, we realize that we're not alone. That's right. We don't have to handle things on our own. Um, When you reach out and you find others, you realize that you have a whole community of people who are behind you and who will support you and who are pushing you through and praying you on when you may not even recognize it. Right. You're right. And I just want to remind my listeners that if you are are living with, with a heart disease, or or know someone who is and they're struggling, um, please ask them to go and follow Teresa Wright Johnson dot com and and find out more. Teresa, thank you so much for for taking the time and joining Robert and I today for this podcast. You, it means so much to me, and I I'm, I'm excited that I made it through the episode without fangirling out because you oh. and your <laughs> means so much to me. 
and I find you so inspirational. So it has been an absolute joy to have you today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And, you know, again, please, to reiterate what you just said, if you have, if you need someone, if, if I can help you in any way with heart disease or multiple sclerosis, please reach out. You have an entire community that um, are willing to help you. And remember, you are a heart that matters, so take care of you. And thank you guys for, for this interview. It was incredible. You're welcome, thank sweetie. You, thank you again for joining us. And there you have it. There's the last episode of season two of Healthy Voices Radio, Brady. We uh, we made it. <laughs> we made it through. It, so, it, it seems so surreal that that we are ending season two, but I am so grateful that we were able to do so with such an inspiration like Teresa. And I just want to remind everyone again to go to her website, TeresaWrightJohnson.com. And I want to throw her brand back out there again. She talks about where privilege and purpose coalesce to form a heart that matters. Thanks again, everyone. And please hit your subscribe button on your favorite podcast and subscribe to Healthy Voices Radio. Yes, I just want to also send one quick little shout out to our um, our friend Barbie Engel from the Eye Pain Foundation. Um, please go check her out. We want to thank her for doing our intro and our outro uh, and allowing us to, to use her song, Hope is True. Um, have a good one, and thank you all for tuning in.